0: Welcome back. It's another edition of the IndyCar Show, Burnout Sports, BurnoutSports.com. Tony Donahue, Luke Edwards coming off an interesting weekend on the streets of Long Beach. Joseph Newgarden back-to-back wins on the season. Team Penske, the trifecta so far, they've won all three to start the 2022 year. And now we ramp up for one of the most important stretches of the 2022 season. Luke, welcome back my friend. A pretty interesting weekend we saw there in Long Beach.
1: What's up Tony? Uh yeah, I mean, I just can't get over the uh the streak that Penske's setting right now with all three drivers, two of them have wins, one of them has a podium and a couple high, high placing finishes. Um Newgarden is just rolling in 2022. So, looking forward to what's going to happen on uh, uh on the next few rounds here coming into May.
0: Yeah, and let's start with Joseph Newgarden, you know, qualify second. And I think he got some added motivation on Saturday when somebody from the LA Times asked him, I think the quote was So at what point does Colton Herter run away with this thing? And and look, Colton Herter was the favorite, and the first part of the race he was dominant. Um, but I think that just fueled Joseph a little bit more. Uh, Long Beach, one of the best, if not the best, uh Street Circuit road course on the schedule. A lot of fans were there. We'll get into that. But back to Joseph Newgarden, Luke. Like you said, off to a hot streak. Uh, fended off Roman Grosjean and Alex Palo late. We will get to that. Uh, but your initial thoughts on Joseph Newgarden picking up a second win on the season.
1: Well, and, you know, it didn't come easy for him this race. He put the pressure on. Um, he he kept guys behind him that he needed to, like Colton Herta, And he's won on the uh, super speedway and now he's won on a road course. It's just looking like a, like he's the guy to beat. It reminds me of a other new garden championship seasons where it's just always being in the hunt, always being in that top five, ready to pounce. He's had a last lap pass for the win at Texas. And then, um, you know, he just kept the pressure on and stayed close enough to blow and below had kind of jumped during the pit stops. Um, so, you know, the strategy is there too. They've, they've managed tires, they've managed fuel and he's got outright speed. So that's a winning combination. That's a championship combination right there.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I keep I keep saying this cuz I picked him to win that People Ready million dollar bonus and now he's a road course one away from doing so coming up to Barber uh, May 1st a place that he's won. Then you get the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, he hasn't won there yet, but has ran pretty well. I mean, he could have that thing locked up by the time we even get to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway if he were to go three in a row at Barber. Um, the momentum is there. Joseph Newgarden is a championship contender. He is the number one contender right now. Uh, Scott McLaughlin had a rough go of it on Sunday. Will Power, another great finish of fourth. Uh, Team Penske you know, for me, New Garden is number one, and then McLaughlin getting his second, his first career win is second. But, but damn, I've also been pretty impressed, Luke, by the start that Will Power has had, and and it kind of has gone under the radar just because his other two teammates have found themselves in victory lane. Your thoughts so far on what uh, we've seen out of Will Power?
1: Will Power might be one of those guys that you see in the championship hunt until the very last race, the last few rounds. I think they're building momentum here. Um, he looks a lot like he has a lot more prowess than maybe he has had in the last couple of seasons. Um, but you can't count out the angry bird when it comes to these big ovals. And we've got a real big one coming up here and you definitely can't count him out at the Indy GP. I mean him and Simon Pagenaud traded off the first six wins um, since it's inaugural race. Uh, so, you know, you could see him leapfrogging the points. Right now, the points stand. You have Newgarden that just jumped to first. Leapfrogged his teammate, Scott McLaughlin, who dropped back to second. And I think Will Power's up there. He's not in the top three. He's behind Pelot, But if you keep consistently finishing in the top five, I mean, that's shades of Matt Kenseth's championship season in NASCAR.
0: Yeah, and Power sits fourth in the point standings. I have him third in the burnout sports power rankings for this week. Um, just because he he's led laps and he has been quietly consistent. And usually, if you start out the season with a third, a fourth, and a fourth, you're probably at worst second in the championship, more than likely winning, leading it. But again, his teammates uh, have kind of stolen the show, so to speak. Another guy who almost stole the show, your guy, your twin, Roman Grosjean. A very rough Saturday, right? So he sneaks in. To the fast six, barely. We had to find out through a penalty if it would be him or will power transferring. Grosjean transfers, then stuffs it into tires. And you thought, okay, well, we'll see what happens here. Starting six, a lot of mistakes are made by a lot of guys at Long Beach. That's just the the territory that comes with a street circuit. But Grosjean with a chance to win there late, another podium. He's knocking at the door to win. I don't know if you're at Wings, etc., or if you're at home, but I have a feeling, Luke, you were cheering your ass off for Grosjean to get it done on Sunday.
1: Uh, you know, sometimes, despite working in the industry, your fandom just kind of takes over, especially in those last 10 laps. You know, we had that caution with 10 laps to go. So you know the field is getting stacked up. You know that Grosjean is pretty confident with his fresh tires, um, fresher tires, and <sighs> – just so close I mean you get your car up beside the leader on that last restart all you're thinking about is how can I close this out unfortunately new garden is is quite a wily veteran which is weird to say because he seems like such a young gun still but he knew how to make his car pretty wide all day without blocking and he took that inside line and Grosjean unfortunately couldn't get up beside for that next right hander um, but that also shows you, you know, he made that mistake in, in the final round of qualifying, but that's how important it is to transfer into that last group of qualifying because he still started six, as you said, and that keeps you in that hunt. And we talked about going into long beach, how important it was to stay in that top group and stay out of all the trouble that happens in the back of the field, stay out of those hairpin shenanigans.
0: Yeah, and we saw plenty of that. Um, the Rossi Rosenquist incident, which I thought was a racing incident. The Sato pagino beef. Um, you know, Pagino was 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 picking flowers there. Uh let's talk about those before we look at some other drivers that had uh disappointing days on Sunday. To me, the Rossi Rosenquist thing uh was more of a racing incident. Rossi just kind of outbroke him and uh kind it was close, but I, I think it was a racing incident and then Sato, you know I mean I didn't we didn't really get a good look of what it looked like before they got there you know were they side by side uh, who had the room but again there I thought that Sato left them enough room until you had to go single file uh around the fountain there so um, what were your takeaways from 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 I would say the two conflicts uh between drivers that we saw on Sunday afternoon?
1: yeah starting with the sato uh incident in the it, going into that fountain section it's so tight and i actually slowed it down frame by frame to kind of see how far up alongside Pagano was before they got to that that first little kink before you took the right hand around the fountain and he was pretty well up beside him but i agree with you um at first you know you get emotional and and you're gonna say he got sadoed um But that is a very, very risky move. Um, You know, it it looked like he wasn't going to very well be able to make it around the curbing. And before corner entry on that first left-hand kink, uh, he actually turned down and bumped into Sato. You know, rightly so. You're trying to make that corner. I don't think Sato had much room to go. And it's like, at that point, the guy's not ahead of you. He's not even fully alongside of you. He's almost even with you do you expect sato to just put on the clampers and let you fly by i don't think so but yeah i think the rest of the way that turned out was just a racing incident you can't blame simon for going for the pass but you can't blame sato for holding his own and then that second shot is what really stuck him into the flowers and that was again because sato was just trying to run his line probably not looking in his mirrors at that point um which would be hard to do mid-corner and Impagino was already bouncing off the curbs back out into him. So um Sato ended up not having a good day either. As far as the other one, the, the Rosenquist and Rossi deal, um that that one I thought was a little bit tougher. I, I know on the replay you can see Rossi's brakes glowing bright red. I mean, they are they are on the verge of locking up and and he just kind of bounced off Rosenquist. And you know, do you think he would have made the corner though, Tony? if he hadn't made contact with Rosenquist.
0: It, it was a, it was a hot move, so to speak, right? Like you said, you you you're going for yeah. it. it. was an angry Rossi. And, and I had tweeted this on Sunday and I still believe it. Like this is, this is the most important stretch of Alexander Rossi's career over the next four or five weeks. Cause you get to June and, and even in the July and, and all the contracts talks start, you know, the silly season kind of picks up and okay, this guy could go here. And, and I think uh, Rossi w- 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 was charging hard, maybe a little bit of an aggressive move too soon, um, but went for it. I know it seemed like there was some beef throughout the the, the paddock. I, I love drama when it comes to that. I don't want to become NASCAR where it's like WWE on wheels and <laughs> using your car as a weapon. But, right. um, you know, I, I, I think he went for the move and it's so tough to pass there. And he knew that Felix might've been a little bit faster than him throughout the rest of the course. And that was where he needed to make the move. So, um, I don't think that there was any penalty that came down there. All right, let's talk about some of the guys that just Luke simply had bad days. Colton Herta obviously comes to mind first. Carter beat all weekend, beats himself, putting it into the wall. Marcus Erickson was running third, uh, well on his way to another great finish on a street course, uh, was certainly in the running for a podium. Uh, he ends up clipping the wall and then ended up um, as a TikTok on Burnout Sports' TikTok. Uh, it became a GIF, so to speak, or GIF, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then Jimmy Johnson, he had a terrible Saturday, injures his right wrist, right pinky finger. Um, he took David Malukas out in a wreck with about 12 laps to go. Uh, some of these guys just had awful weekends. I really felt bad for Jimmy Johnson. And I think he did contemplate if he was going to race or not. He mentioned, look, I'm here to win the Indianapolis 500, that's where I can win. I'm not going out to I'm not going to go out and win Long Beach. Like I know that. and 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 I am so happy that Jimmy Johnson is can 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 take himself not so serious as look, I know that I'm kind of shit at these road and street courses. I'm learning I'm making progress. but I'm here to win the indianapolis five hundred and and my best chance is to win on Ovals and to win the five hundred. So um, I totally got that and respected everything that that he kind of said uh, and and really the way he's embraced IndyCar as we've talked about many times. Um, Herda, uh, another road and street course race that he had a chance to win, kind of like Nashville last summer, and made a mistake. And then you've got um, the uh, – who else did we talk about here? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Marcus Erickson. Uh, I think he – that's the hardest pill to swallow because he had a podium going. And with that podium, he was going to be Mr. Consistent again – Mr. Right there in the points and it all just kind of went away on his own mistakes. So your thoughts on, on those three drivers that had a uh, very disappointing Sundays.
1: Yeah. I mean, starting with Colton Hurta, um, he already had all this pressure on him because you know how the press is. Everyone's talking about Nashville last year and he's the favorite going in. He was probably had the fastest car in Nashville last year. So what are you going to talk about Nashville? And uh, even during the broadcast, they were saying uh, as soon as they got jumped by Pillow, they were like, he's got to keep a cool head. I think that was on lap 34. So he's trailing behind um, behind first and second place. You know, he's behind Newgarden that whole time. He's saying on the radio, I'm faster than him. I'm faster than him. I just have nowhere to go. Again, Newgarden is great. at keeping people behind him um, and racing clean. So there was really nothing he could do. And then uh, uh, 20 laps or 25 laps or so passed, and he started getting on the radio talking about how uh, between him and his dad, Brian, was saying, hey, relax. We're going to jump him. Palo really got him on those fast in and out laps. Um, He was burning everybody on those. That's how he jumped up front. And they need to do the same. He came back on the radio saying, I know, I know, but his tire, he said his right front tire was chunked up. Sure enough, that lockup is what sends him in. I mean, he was locked up well before the corner. So just, I mean, what can you say? The, the kid is so fast. You want to see him win. Um, jumping to, to Erickson and Johnson, they both had very similar incidents um, that took him out of the race. Uh, I don't know if if Johnson was correct in saying he was just out in those marbles and and locked up the rear. I mean, it looks like it because if, I don't think uh I don't think anybody touched him. I don't think Malucas got into the back of him, but he was backwards before corner entry. Um Erickson was just hanging it out there the same way. You know, he was loose from corner entry all the way through. Almost took out his teammate. I mean, what a catastrophe that would have been. So Dixon was charging way from the back of the field. Um and and he actually just pulled right in front of him you know he probably had some rear wheel steer steer going on didn't have much control over the car but somehow Dixon I mean he's he's like a gypsy god I don't know how he does it but he can run into people and not get damaged and salvage a, a good points race um but yeah Johnson I mean decides to drive without uh without surgery or anything like that he's got small fractures in his in his right hand uh, around his pinky toughs it out i mean i like seeing that fight in him you're right though i mean he recognizes his shortcomings and you could see the frustration in him after a second contact i think that's where he really got fired up and i'd like to see how that transfers to barber um you know a track that isn't that forgiving for a road course but at least it's not surrounded by walls you might not wreck a whole front end off your car if you go off in the grass a little bit so let's see if he can harness that anger, you know, take some of that, those lessons from Rossi, that angry Rossi that we like to see and, and apply that to himself to learn these street and road courses a little bit better. I know we'd all like to see a top 10 out of him uh, before the end of the year. Yeah. So we talked about the drivers that
0: were disappointing on Sunday. How about some of the impressive drives? And we'll start with Tatiana Calderon from 26 to 16th. Wasn't really talked about much, um, you know, in her first two races in IndyCar, she's, She's kind of been quiet, but she hasn't gotten anybody's way. She's been very respectful, and she showed a lot of pace on Sunday. I was impressed uh, by her charge to gain 10 positions and finish 16th, so kudos to Tatiana. Uh, Her teammate, Kyle Kirkwood, first career top 10 finish in IndyCar. I think I'd say Graham Rahal as well, finishing 7th. He had a very bad Saturday, a crap warm-up. They had a lot of issues. Um, Just missed being in that top 6 or that fast 12 for qualifying and then um, ultimately starts the race in 13th and comes home with a 7th place finish. So those are my three drivers that I thought were uh, had very impressive days on Sunday, Luke.
1: Yeah, I mean, great call on Tatiana. Like you said, she didn't get a lot of coverage. I think uh, she's she's just taken a while to adapt to these cars. They're extremely physical cars. Um, herself and the other rookies have mentioned just how tough it is and how surprising it was after St. Pete. Um, you know, blisters on their hands. They don't have the calluses built up yet. Just a lot of arrow weight, a lot of load getting transferred to the steering wheels of these cars, especially over a bumpy street course. And one thing a lot of people kind of forget on these street courses is they're crowned because it's a street, you know, for drainage. So you're going off camber on corner exit and having to hang on to these things. So you're, uh, you're getting a lot of wheel transfer of motion there, um, Great call on her. Some of the people that stuck out to me outside of Tatiana and Graham Hall, who is, man, he still has it on street courses. They're, I think they're really close to getting a podium here soon. Um, and Kirkwood, top 10, like you said, another great one. Uh, Dixon, again, stood out to me. He also gained 10 spots along with Tatiana from 16th to 6th. Um, remarkable run by him. Always the GOAT. Um, but Elio Castroneves, you know, we talked about some of the teams that need some results and we saw, um, we saw him get a top 10. He got ninth place, but he started all the way back in 14th. Uh, so, you know, nice little gain of five spots there and kept his nose clean in the thick of it. You know, people sliding all around him on those restarts. And then another team that we've seen struggle all year, uh, team McLaren, they ran in the top five, the first 20 laps. Um, Obviously, we talked about Rosenquist being up there. Good qualifying run. He looked strong. He had some speed until he uh, had some tire fall off and and then got bumped back in that incident with Rossi. Uh, But Award ultimately finished fifth. So they needed that. They needed that top 10 run. He seemed so relieved, almost like it was a win for them to come from 11th to fifth. So those would be my big movers of the race.
0: And I, I heard this um, from somebody that I would certainly trust on Pato Award. There's, there's kind of been a, from what I was told, a Formula One type of feel where every, all the feedback has to be given and they're asking him things. And, 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 and Pato is a driver that he just feels it in his hands and he just knows what he feels. And he doesn't know some of the other technical terms. Almost what I was told, almost like a cold trickle type situation, right? Like, you just know to go and you know how to feel and you hope that the car goes with you. Um, so yeah, it was good to see how to award kind of get, um, a solid, a solid run under his belt, but I don't know what is going on with Felix Rosenquist. He's had back-to-back great qualifying efforts and it just fades in the race. And he obviously had a horrible season last year. Um, you know, he won the he won a race in 2020 in the pandemic with Ganassi, almost won it Texas. Kind of came on strong with that team, but 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 since coming over to Arrow, I mean, look, I I get, you know, it takes, you know, Elio told me last week when I talked to him on Wednesday, he said, you know, we're well, I'm only 10, 10 races into this with Meyer Shank. We're still learning a lot of things. We're still gaining that momentum. Yeah, we won the 500 and that helped. Um it's 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 like go time now for Felix Rosenquist right like you obviously have the pace in qualifying uh, you know I, I don't expect you to go out there and win but Rosenquist needs to start collecting top tens and top fives here real soon or or that rumor mill is going to start swirling that oh maybe Rossi's going to go to Aero McLaren maybe you know Felix and Rossi swap seats or Kirkwood would move somewhere I mean that's going to start coming and that just puts more and more pressure on you throughout the summer and again I've mentioned this before I said it last week and I'll say it again uh this stretch which included Long Beach Barber Indy 500 Indy 500 qualifying and the IMS road course this is the most pivotal stretch of the season for all these drivers we will have a clear picture of who are who the three or four maybe even five front runners are for the championship coming out of the 500 obviously with double points um the top nine in qualifying uh, get nine points down to one, so I mean you've got you've you've got to get going now. And if you're Felix Rosenquist, there's a lot of other guys too. Jack Harvey, we could talk about. I know he had a concussion, um, and, mm. and and maybe we'll save this for next week since there isn't a race next week, Luke. But but some of these rumors are going to start happening. And for Felix Rosenquist, it's it's time to shine. It's time to show your talent and that you belong in this car and, and, and that you can move things forward. Because if you get to the road course at the Speedway and and Pato gets another podium like he did last year and Montoya finishes eighth in the 500 like he did last year, eighth or ninth, and you're 20th or 22nd, you know, things are going to start looking around in the mirror and saying, all right, well, we're Arrow McLaren and we hold hold ourselves to a higher standard and the results just simply aren't there. So uh, we'll see what happens with Felix Rosenquist. That's going to be an interesting domino to fall. Also next week, Luke, uh, we'll be back home again in Indiana at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They'll be testing At the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, 32 cars, a two day test. We'll see some rookie orientation. We'll see refreshers. We'll see all, and then we'll see it all skate, so to speak, uh, on Wednesday afternoon. And then Thursday, I believe it's 10 to 4 on Thursday, noon to 6 on Wednesday. All streamed on Peacock. The mounds at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway will be open while you're there. Obviously, check out the museum. Go say hello to Luke. Uh, Two days of testing. Looks like the weather's going to be pretty good. We're waiting on that 33rd entry. For me, testing is one of those things, Luke, where it's like, hey, if you find something and you're fast, great. If you didn't find something and you're not fast, well, you still got seven or eight more practice days. Uh, just don't Renus VK it and port it in the wall during a test day like we saw. Um, but excited to be able to see some cars back on the Oval next week.
1: Yeah, it's this time of year where it really starts feeling like springtime is here. Hopefully, hopefully. I know our weather. <laughs> I don't even look at the weather before like three days out because you throw it all out the window when you're trying to look at these forecasts. But hopefully we get something similar to, to some May weather so these guys can really apply and get those speeds up and and start dialing these cars in. Um, I know you're going to see a lot of guys just trying to get comfortable, trying to get some race setups. Indy is one of those tracks where every single year you can have the same surface, you can have the same temperatures, you can have the same team, car, everything, same rules package. But boy, sometimes it just bites people right in the ass. Um, so yeah, hopefully nobody puts it in the fence, but be sure to get out there and hear those cars, go enjoy it on the mounds. Like like you said, Tony, stop in the museum when when they take their lunch break. It's the perfect time to dip in and see our new exhibits, but um yeah it's tough it's it usually is a good indicator of who's going to be fast out of the box and who might be uh very comfortable in qualifying you know shooting for that top nine i think it's going to be critical for these rookies though um this is it's not old indycar you don't have all the ovals on the schedule yes you've run texas but that's kind of a wonky track now with the traction compound And you're going quite a bit faster, so you're playing with a lot more arrow, a lot more trim. Um, This is going to be where we pay a lot of attention to to some of the younger guys or less experienced guys on the oval.
0: Yeah, and I think just you know if you're a rookie, getting that getting that rookie orientation done, uh, getting used to having two spotters in your ear, finding a line, uh, a consistency to your lines, going into one, coming off of one, um, you know, getting right on that yellow line, and two getting a good run down the back straightaway, and, and, and just finding consistency in your line. And, and then when it becomes what I call the all-skate, where you know the veterans are out there and, and, and the entire field, just making sure that you are consistently on that same line, you're gaining the trust, you're gaining the respect of other drivers around you, um, you're not making any abrasive moves, your in-and-out laps are clean. Uh, just, just the things that should come second nature when you're second, when you're a third or fourth or fifth year or or, or more veteran of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, just getting that under your belt. So I think that that's of of great importance coming up next week at the track. Um, it'll be fun, like you said. Uh, it it kind of starts picking it up from here. Myers got the t-shirts out already. Kroger's got the koozies and the and the and the signs Love and it. the street signs are getting ready to be hung up downtown. So. So, yeah, I mean, we're almost to the month of May. We don't want to overlook Barber, and we'll talk a lot more about that uh, race week for Barber. We have some time. Uh, we've got the test next week. We'll be out there. Burnout Sports will be out there. Uh, I know Luke will be out there, so check out the social media channels for that. But, yeah, um, looking forward to, to seeing Grosjean and Jimmy Johnson back on the Oval as well. Uh, with that said, Luke, um, you know, Joseph Newgarden's kind of been the the head of topic, the head of table so far this year winning the first two races. But it just seems like he hasn't quite been there at the finishes of Indianapolis 500. Do you believe this year, Luke, is the year that Joseph Newgarden can get it done and win the Indianapolis 500?
1: I, I mean, I believe he can. Um, he kind of has a career arc at at the Indy 500 similar to Will Power. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's just chipping away at it. He's been caught up in a couple incidents. I believe 2016 he got caught up in a big one Um, he's had a few big practice shunts with, uh, ECR, uh, another good one with Penske a couple years back, um, in the arrow kit days. Um, so I think he's, he's definitely got his wall slappers in early. And since then he's been very, very smooth. He hasn't had necessarily the best races, but Indy is such a big track. It's such a beast that, If you don't have your setup exactly right, sometimes you just have a bad day, no matter how good your team and how good your car and strategy um, is laid out at the beginning of the day. Things can just kind of turn sour for you. But we've seen them creeping up there in 2020. We've seen them just staying in touch with that lead pack. And at Indy, that's all you need in a little bit of luck and fortune and the conditions to just kind of favor your car and you're off. Um, We know Penske went down um, and they just have absolute dominance this year going down from four cars to three. And last year we saw Pagano charging to the front in a relatively quiet Penske year. Um, they struggled for speed all month long, but by the end of the race, that, that team had figured out how to make that car and rock a rocket ship. You you give them five more laps, that would have been a three-way battle uh, for the win there. And he even told Elliot at the end, I'm coming. I think Joseph could have a very similar race as long as they... Have everything go their way. No mistakes. No mistakes in the pits. I absolutely think Joseph is capable of winning the Indianapolis 500.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you. I mean, last year it was what's going on with Penske. You know, New Garden didn't really qualify well. Neither did, Pagino, neither did Joseph, Or Neither did Will Power. Will Power was way in the back. You remember, we went into that Sunday, a bump day, going, oh, I mean – if one slight thing goes wrong, you know, and it almost did, he brushed the wall coming off of two in his qualifying attempt. <laughs> we'll power him on the outside looking in. And really, if it wasn't for Pagino's charge to third and, you know, late in that race and, and getting around how bad of a, of a month it was for Pinsky. So can they continue the momentum they have gained so far in the first three races and have a great month of May? Because if they don't, all of a sudden – the pack starts to come back to them, right? They start falling back, and if somebody like Pelot or Erickson or Grosjean or some I mean, it's double points. So if you win the 500, you are probably going to be right in the championship hunt heading to Detroit. Um, we know about traditions. There's a great traditions expi- um, exhibit at the Speedway right now uh, with, with, with Roadsters to Records. Check that out as mentioned but 33 33 is the number it's synonymous in this state with Larry Bird and with the starting field of the Indianapolis 500 we've kind of bounced back yes, and sir. forth okay who's going to be that who's going to be that 33rd car who's going to be that 33rd entry We're at 32 right now and people say well what's the deal why why can't we get a 33rd well it's 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 lack of proper mechanics proper crew men and women um proper people in place because you've got 28 full-time cars. so a lot of those a lot of those spotters and engineers and um, shock specialists that would normally not have much to do in May and could come out and ra- and, and be a part of a race team um, simply uh, have full-time jobs, which is a great thing, but it kind of takes away a little bit from the Indianapolis 500 um, and being able to run 33 or 34 cars um steph wilson has the money he should be in a car i think he will be in a chevy and i think it'll be with home hollinger racing um Hunkos told racer magazine this week that he didn't want to do it unless he absolutely had to and they were the 33rd um and and i know some people have kind of brought up the bs of like starting parks you oh, know remember the lotuses back in 2012 that were 15 miles an hour off the pace or the nascar starting right. parks from back in the day um look if steph wilson and home hollinger show up as a second car for that team, they're not starting and parking. You think Cusick Motorsports is going to say, oh yeah, start it, run five laps and bring it in? Hell no. Um, the question then becomes, if you're a team like Dragon Speed, which has kind of gained a little bit of momentum lately, can you maybe combine with Peretta Autosport, who might have some funding as well? The former 34th, the Simona get that ride. And then really, if if you're going to be that 34th entry, you got kind of have to look at like, Okay, if we go there, we have to make the race, right? Like, and there's a chance that we don't. So what's the risk reward to that? You're putting a million dollars in to run a race that you're not in the leader circle money, you're going to make $250,000. And you, you, the sponsor's got to look at it and say, okay, is this worth my investment? Or can I save that money and put somebody in a full-time ride next year? So um, we all want to see 30, we all want to see bumping, Luke. I think you can agree with that. I mean, just the drama and the memories of i mean obviously fernando alonso comes to mind off the top but then james hinchcliffe i mean you can go all the way back to you know remember in 2011 when paul tracy and mike conway from andretti were on the outside looking in so was ryan hunter ray he had to buy his way in marco and canon barely got in so there are memories to be had there i wish that there was 35 and 36 cars that's just not where the sport is right now which is not a bad thing because you take some growth full time and you kind of lose it uh when it comes to that 33rd and 34th entries so um luke i'm sure you're with me we want to see bumping but just get us a 33 oh, right yeah.
1: yeah that's the biggest concern right now we gotta have 33. Yeah.
0: and we talked about this earlier too uh before we wrap up um you know this is the most important stretch of the season i feel for a lot of these drivers uh, but luke let's get some of your early season takeaways 16 of 29 drivers who have made starts this year have led a lap that included uh, drivers like J.R. Hildebrand and Ed Carpenter, who have only raced one race so far this year. The crowds and the TV numbers have been up. Uh, I think they uh, estimated 180,000 at Long Beach through the three days. I was at St. Pete, um, as we talked about on the show on Burnout Sports, that it was you could barely walk. You could barely walk through the paddock before or after the race. Um, And hopefully this thing keeps up at Barber. Uh, Barber is very tough to win starting outside of the top 10. It'll be the largest entry list that we've ever seen at Barber Motorsports Park. Uh, Luke, give me some of your other early takeaways from the season, or you can piggyback on a few of those that I just mentioned.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I've been noticing is week in, week out, while, yes, we have had Penske dominance in in finishing first, Um, is just the overall competition every single year the last couple of years it Mm -hmm. seems to get tighter and tighter and tighter the margins for air go down and down i mean you go back and watch some old footage of other indycar seasons even back in the cart days you could have some pretty significant blunders or mistakes and and still make it back up to a top five but the field would overall spread out and and just the Mm -hmm. field is so tight right now that it's kind of turning into that football any given Sunday. Um, I mean, really, you are right there. Like, Team McLaren comes to mind. Rosenquist qualifying on pole at Texas and then qualifying up in the top five this last race. You know, it just takes a couple things clicking right. So it's just, it's exciting to tune in and see every week. Is there going to be a first-time winner? Grosjean, right there again on the podium. Is he going to be getting his first win this year that would be such a big story I, I think he counts the exact number of days since his last professional race win so you know he's hungry um one of my big takeaways is is from this last week is just seeing the progress of rossi um they got that top 10 uh we we just had him over at the museum tonight so i heard him talking a little bit before he did his speaker event. um you know there's some to be desired on the table. There's something left there, but it seems like he's got his confidence and he he knows that he can capitalize. So I think he could also be a contender later in the year. Um, but the presentation too is just getting better and better every week. Um, like I said, IndyCar fans, you know the, the best thing about it is we're all crying out for more. We want more. We want more programming. We want more coverage. And they're starting to do that um, the podium celebrations, lot, lots more just party going on up there. So hopefully we can get to the point where the TV time works out, where they can actually do a uh, a formatted podium celebration at all of the races except except the Indy 500. That's the only one where you can't have a podium. Um, but just to showcase more of these drivers, um, that's one of my favorite things when I watch an F1 race is I want to see my guy up there cause they're going to get that special yeah. interview. You get to see him up there celebrating, but, um, yeah, overall my biggest takeaway is there's just so much competition and so much momentum in the sport right now. It's an exciting time to be around it.
0: And it's going to continue to grow. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are, that are gaining more interest. I'm with you. Look, I think there was over a million people that watched on Sunday, which is pretty good considering the masters were on. Um, Maybe they got lucky because the Masters winner was like four or five, six strokes ahead. Um, being on NBC for majority of the races is huge. And and you're right about the competition. I mean, we talked about this, you and I did on the very first show. Like last year, I think it was the number was 7.3. That was the average finish for Alex Pelot to win the championship. But I, I think we're looking at sixth, sixth place as an average finish to win the championship this year. And and maybe only being allowed to have one or two bad races unless one of those two bad races that is at the Indianapolis 500 and that kind of a stunts your growth to run for a championship. And I look at a guy like Elio Castro and Evis, who I think a year ago with Meyer Schenck on a road course, you said, yeah, ninth, man, that's a great run. But now you're going, damn ninth is, uh, it's, it's, it's tough to get into the top 10 right now. So the competition level is, is absolutely massive, uh, from top to bottom and, uh, I think you see that with 16 of the 29 drivers being able to lead laps, albeit, yes, some of those on on different pit strategies and fuel and whatnot. But um, it certainly is setting us up for a very competitive, very unpredictable Indianapolis 500 coming up at the end of next month. All right, we'll have you covered next week from the test. Burnout Sports, burnoutsports.com. Check out all of our social media pages. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube as well. You can follow Luke and I on Twitter. Luke, go ahead and give me your Twitter handle.
1: At Luke Edwards Indy on all social media. Luke Edwards
0: Indy, Tony D Indy as well. Uh, We hope you enjoy your upcoming weekend, your holiday weekend. And we'll be back next week from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, talking about this upcoming 32-car test as we continue to prepare and count the days for the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. For Jarek Spartman and Luke Edwards, I'm Tony Donahue. Thanks so much to everybody out there listening, watching, following here on BurnoutSports.com.